colleges and propaganda create hype around getting into college. But the question can't stop at can I get in? Let's reconsider something more important. Let's talk about the most important question. Can you get out? We're your hosts, Jennifer Cook DeRosa and Shelley Cloutier, and you're listening to College on the Cheap. Welcome, everyone. This is our first episode. Every high school student feels the intensity as they get closer to graduation. Sometimes, even as early as ninth or 10th grade, everyone starts asking, where are you going to college? Kids and parents and teachers obsessed with college admissions. You think that obsession is a distraction, right, Jennifer? Why? That's one of the things that I think we really want to just start talking about right out of the gate, because Getting into college isn't as hard as people think. I mean, if you're thinking about just getting in, you're really going to be distracted away from the real challenges and the real factors. And these are things that really do need your full attention, like building an exit strategy, which is something that we're going to talk about today. But for the most part, I think that admissions um, is important, of course, but One of the things that I thought would be fun to do for this episode is I looked up how many colleges there are in the country that are issuing degrees, and there's just about 3,700 colleges. So there's, there's, you know, quite a few, some of them issue two-year degrees and some of them issue four-year degrees. But I went in and I went to the Bright Futures website, which is a really popular website that collegeboard.org has on on their site students who are doing their SAT or their PSAT or um, some of those exams, advanced placement, they might, they might, you know, be directed to use this site. So it's a really popular, well-traveled site. And 88% of the colleges, okay, so we're talking about 3,200 of them are not selective or they're completely open enrollment. So that means that open enrollment, you literally, you pay your money and you enroll, right? So you've met some basic criteria. So thinking about getting into college, we're talking about approximately 3,700 colleges, but anyone can get into about 3,200 of them. So (laughs) as far as getting in, you know, there's plenty of colleges to choose from, okay? But that's really not um, where a lot of students put their energy and their effort. We have very selective universities. There's probably about 40. And what happens is that the majority of students end up applying to just those very familiar, good, you know, heavy brand name type of of colleges and universities because they recognize those names. And so what happens is, is these, these colleges that are more popular that have that brand recognition, they get such a huge volume of applications that, yes, they're selective, but the selectivity is really just a case of they have to they have to go through this huge volume of applicants. Um, And and so one of the uh, schools, University of California, UCLA, they're getting over 100,000 applications each year. So this is an enormous amount of applications. Um, New York University is getting over 80,000. And I mean, so so you have students that are all aiming at just a small number of colleges. 
And so it may feel like it's hard to get into college because you have this, this group of students and they're all kind of targeting the same small group of colleges. But when you really open it up and you look at what is the industry of higher education, what is the, the likelihood of being able to get into college? And your likelihood of being able to get into college is about 100%. <laughs> so, so, you know, these popular colleges, why do students apply to these popular colleges? Because they're popular, right? <laughs> right. I mean, the marketing money, probably they have the most marketing money, right? Oh, gosh. I mean, and, and if you have the popularity driving your brand, you don't even really need to market. You can be more selective. And so it makes sense. I mean, there's, there's a lot of demand to get into some of these big name schools. But that isn't necessarily representative of where you're going to get a good education. Right. It's not necessarily representative of what would be the best fit for you or a college that you can afford. And one of the things that we're going to talk about in this podcast, not just today, but but moving forward, is really, you know, using logic and applying that to the process of not only college selection, getting into college, getting through college and getting out of college and doing that in a way with with wisdom and and very intentional. And so I like the the phrase, you know, show your work. <laughs> if you're doing a math problem, your teacher wants you to show your work. I think we should show our work. I want to see the data. Is it hard to get into college? And the data tells us it's not. Right. Now, counselors, don't, don't they help to build the hype of all of this? I mean, what's their role in this? Well, I mean, truthfully, high school counselors are, are for sure, they're given lots of, of good guidance, right? But they also are kind of giving advice that can backfire for your high school students. So if the counselors are encouraging students to apply to, let's say, five to eight colleges, and that's and that's pretty normal. That's a good range there. A lot of times colleges and the counselors, I'm sorry, the high school counselors will tell students to apply to colleges that they call maybe a safety school, a school that they know the student could get, could get into. So, I mean, if you think about those schools, Every school almost would be a safety school, right? It, just except for these these few schools that are sitting at the top. Right. Uh, they have probable schools, and then they have these reach schools, right? So these are the the cross your fingers and say a prayer schools. And having those reach schools, I think, is what really is driving kind of this crazy desperation. It's it's kind of driving that um, that emotion. The, the student is having a lot of personal feelings tied in to whether or not they get accepted into this college. And so what happens is, is that their emotions and their heart and their feelings of self-worth, all of this turns into a playground game where, you know, we've got our students lining up hoping to get picked. And so once you've kind of got the student in that position now they're not in a position to make a wise financial decision. They're not in a position to make a logical decision because they're going with their emotions. And so it's all tied up into whether or not they get picked. And, you know, I love talking about the psychology of choice. That's a bigger, um, a bigger topic that we can definitely talk about in a future episode. But I really want to talk about the hard part of getting through college is getting out. And again, show me the work. Show me the math that says that. And so the data says that. So I want to just tell you some of the data for getting out of college. Because in my opinion, 100% of the people who start college should immediately put their focus on getting out. That should be, it, it should not be anything else. It should just be, you need to finish the degree 
you need to graduate, you need to get the degree, right? That's the most important thing. Right, because nobody's talking about everything that comes after being accepted, that there's still a lot of work to do uh, to get out on time uh, in an efficient way. Yeah, I mean, let's talk about graduation rates. Graduation rates are the dirty little secret of higher education. So I spent a lot of the early part of my career in higher education, and we had really low graduation rates, okay, single digits. And this was at a large community college system. I had no idea that this was acceptable. This was not an emergency to anyone in the district. Um, It just wasn't a priority to get students graduated. So colleges are really good at marketing for enrollment. They're really good at admissions. They've got a lot of systems in place, a lot of people in place whose job it is to aid with enrollment and also um, retention, you know, getting the students to stay there. But what's, what colleges are not good at and what kind of where the ball gets dropped is at graduation. Now, I'm not going to be super skeptical about this and, and say that, well, you know, it's about revenue. But let's just be honest for just a second. If you're enrolled, the college is earning revenue. Mm-hmm. When you're not enrolled, the college is not earning revenue. Right. So this is a math problem, right? So they're not very incentivized to graduate you. And what we are seeing trending on and on is that the graduation rates are going, um, even in schools where they have a decent graduation rate, the amount of time it's taking to graduate is getting longer and longer and longer. So the average graduation rate right now is about 60%, 50 to 60%, depending on the metrics that you use. And that's after six years. Wow. So... This is not even a student who is going in for a four-year degree and then getting that four-year degree in four years. So this is a student who has spent six years. So what comes with six years? Six years means six years of tuition, six years of housing, six years of of meals, six years of books, Um, not to mention six years of not working. Right. Right. So their career hasn't started, so they're not not able to do their occupation. Mm -hmm. Lost wages. Yeah, lost wages. So the longer that you're you're in school, clearly, um, that's not to your advantage financially. But you know, parents and students can look and see any college that you're considering. the The graduation rates are measured, and these are to be reported. We have um, a reporting system in this country, IPEDS, Integrated Post Secondary Education Data System, and the the IPEDS reporting will calculate a graduation rate at 150%. So they're not even assuming that students are graduating on time. So 100% means on time. 150% is basically time and a half. So if you go into a four-year degree program, the graduation rate isn't counted until those students are at six years. And even at six years, we're still only getting 50 to 60% of the students graduated. So when people are hearing these rates, do they realize that this is a six-year rate and, an, and not a four? Oh, there's no way they realize that. Yeah. It's very hard to even find graduation rates on a college's website. Um, and of course, a website isn't necessarily truthful. A website is just a marketing tool. I mean, so you can go in and you can check um, education statistics and you can look and see what's reported. There's a lot of workarounds and there's a lot of loopholes that allow colleges to not perfectly report this information. They are supposed to. But, you know, when you talk about the tippy top 
of the colleges, the, the most elite ones, the ones that you could name, maybe the top 10, right? Those colleges have graduation rates up in the 80s and 90s. So the 80th, um, 80%, 90% of those of students are graduating. Um, but again, that's, that's at a six-year mark. That's not an on-time graduation rate. So you're talking about students who are just the tippy top of the application pool, right? Like the cream of the crop, those students um, are able to, to get through at those elite schools. But once we start dropping down, the graduation rates can get really, really low. Right. Because 50% is much lower than the 80 to 90 that those top, those top schools are doing. Right. And, and so I think sometimes the tendency is to blame the student. You'll hear a lot of times, or you'll see news reports and you'll hear about, graduation rates. And you don't, you don't read it a lot, but it's, it's truly the problem. It is not getting in. It is getting out. That's the problem. Mm -hmm. And when you read articles or things like that, there's a lot of kind of indirect tone to those articles that indicate that maybe the student wasn't bright enough to get out on time. Mm -hmm. Maybe the student did something like change their major 14 times. Um, Maybe they transferred colleges and, and true, of course, those things do happen, right? And there are going to be students that have a hard time. But if, if that were true, it wouldn't be 50 to 60%, right? So it's not just one student who can't figure out how to get out of college. The system is broken. They're, not, they're really not focused on helping their students graduate. And you have to be your own advocate in that regard. Because really, at the end of the day, 40 to 70% of students who start college are not graduating. They're, they're just not graduating. So if they're not graduating, what are they doing? They're spending money, right? Mm Because they're borrowing money. We know that um, students who go to college and complete are borrowing money at the same rate as those who who don't complete. So it doesn't make any any difference there. So they may come out without debt. They've not been working. And now they've not got the credential that they need to help them repay that student loan. And they've not got the career that they had imagined for themselves. So all of this kind of balloons then into this big crisis and no one talks about it. No, 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 you're right. Because they come out having not finished. They come out worse than when they went in because now they have debt and they still don't have the degree. Right. Right. And even students who don't have debt, you know, there is, of course, there's that element of failure, that feeling that, you know, I, I couldn't cut it. I couldn't do it. I, I didn't have what it takes to get through. And, you know, that takes some recovering as well. And I have met plenty of adults in my life that almost, you know, with an embarrassed tone in their voice or almost apologetically will say, yeah, I I didn't finish college. So this is not something that goes away. This is, this is a big problem. And so um, I do think that the numbers show that students are not graduating. The numbers show the students are borrowing money, even though they're not graduating. And what we aren't even going to talk about today, what is still a little piece of the, of the, the issue that's not getting reported, is that student loan debt is only a small piece of the debt that's even being reported. That's not counting the students that had savings going in, the parents who had savings that they spent for those students, the 529 plans that everyone Um, contributed to while the kid was growing up, school home equity loans, credit cards. I mean, there's money coming in to the college system that's not just part of that that amount of money that we see, you know, is the average, quote unquote, student loan debt. There's a lot more money going in besides 
what we see on the surface. Right. I mean, you have all of these high school students that are given all this encouragement to do what they need to do to get into college. And it's all about getting in. And then when they they do get in, it's a celebration and the wonderful parties that they have for getting in. And then they are they are left there. They're in college. They get advisors, but the advisors have so many students that they can't check up on you and make sure everything is going well. It's only if you reach out to them, right? Yeah, and that doesn't guarantee they're going to give you the right advice, right? right. And that's not, you know, that that's not to say that that they're deliberately giving students the wrong advice. But people make mistakes, and sometimes in in terms of planning and, and classes and things like that, a mistake can add a full semester, which might be four to six months pushing your graduation date back even further. Um, you know, so it's, it's spring right now, right? So here's a challenge. The challenge is to watch your social media and watch everyone who's reporting their college acceptance letters as they're coming in and watch all of the celebrations that come with that. And then I want you to pay attention now in a couple months and look for the graduation. So you're going to find way more celebration for admissions than you're going to find in graduation because we just know that a lot of the students aren't graduating. So, I mean, I think the big key, kind of what I wanted to talk about in our podcast today, was that you have to start with the end in mind and you have to have an exit strategy. So even though, I, I mean, I, I don't think we're going to dissuade anyone from thinking about admissions. But I do hope that the the data supports, you know, that the exit strategy is as important as creating an admission strategy. Right. That it deserves as much of your attention as you are giving to admissions. You know, having the admissions strategy is is okay, but you really do need to understand that being able to get out is going to be the most important thing. So the admissions is all about where, you know, where are you going to go? Where are you getting in? But an exit strategy is about what? So it's a shift. It's a shift in your vocabulary. It's a shift in what you're thinking about. And college on the cheap is going to be all about stripping away that fat and kind of getting down into the meat of the decisions. We want cost-effective decisions that are intentional, that are well thought out, um, and, and that are with, you know, with all the transparency and, and the process should not just be about emotion, about where we're going to go and what these great benefits and experiences going to be at the college, but it should be really what we're going to accomplish by getting this credential. And that's where we need to start. We have, we have three things that we need to start with, I think, when building a good exit strategy. And, you know, there are probably a dozen more, but the three that immediately pop into my head. And the first one is choosing your credential. Now, I think that this is more important than choosing your college, okay? I don't want you to even think about your college yet. Let's just talk about the credential. And I'm going to use the word credential. I'm not going to use the word degree because the credential is what you need for your occupation. Okay, so how do you even know if the degree is the right choice, how can you say that the University of XYZ is the best school for you? You need to know what the credential is for your occupation. And, you know, we talked about there's 3,700 colleges and 
the odds are really strong that most of them are offering the exact credential you need. So it's less important where, but very important what. So, so they, the, the credential first. Credential first, right. sure. You know, like I'll give you a good example of an occupation that has a degree requirement, but it also has a credential that is important, and that would be a nurse. All right. So you can become a nurse any number of different ways. The most common today is, is to get a degree. But nurses, in order to be a nurse, need to get a license, and they have to pass their state licensing requirement. So the credential that the, the nurse needs is the registered nurse, the RN. That's what they need, you know? And so when you understand what's the credential, the credential is the RN. I have to be licensed if I'm going to work as a nurse. That then becomes more important than just where you get your degree from, because now you have a lot of other questions that you can explore. You can explore what kind of education am I going to get? What kind of pass rate? among the students who go to this program actually pass their exam and become a licensed and registered nurse, right? So it opens up other other questions that are more important than just where are all the cool kids going to school. Do you think that obviously the kids right now, they're not thinking about the credential. They're focused on getting in and the emotional is, is where you're going, where your friend's going, the best housing, the best extras. Do you think that that's a, what they're thinking about a lot as opposed to just uh, thinking about the credential that they're going to leave with? Well, I, here's what I will tell you. I will tell you that I have a lot of conversations about college with adults and adult learners who go to college later in life. I have a lot of conversations with teenagers. And the difference between those conversations is pretty much consistently the vocabulary that they use. Teenagers always talk about where they talk about where they're going. They may not even mention to me what they're going to study. <laughs> they may not even know what they want to study. They talk about where, if you talk to an adult, you generally um, don't, don't get the same kind of, of terminology. Adults will say what they need. They'll say, you know, I'm working as, as a, an assistant manager and in order for me to advance in my company, I need a bachelor's degree. And I didn't get one the first time around, or I only got part of one and I need to finish that. So adults are very clear usually in terms of that credential and what that credential is going to do for them or, and why they need it. Right. So you have very logical minded adults and you have very emotionally minded teenagers. And so really having kind of a balance between those uh, is, is really where you have to come together when the parent is helping the student choose a college and knowing the credential that you need at the end of it. What, what credential do you need so you can work in that job? That has to be top of the top of the conversation. It has to be a priority in the conversation because I've also met students who earn degrees that don't lead to the occupation that they had hoped for. Because they, they didn't research it enough? They didn't research it. Right. The college that they chose maybe didn't have the proper accreditation to get into the exact occupation that they wanted, or it didn't have maybe certain credits or prerequisites that they were going to need, or they thought that it led to an occupation when it didn't. There are lots of, of majors in college that don't line up well with jobs. So a student studying a certain thing doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to go get a job in that field. Let's, let's say psychology for an instance, 
you have a bachelor's in psychology, you aren't going to be qualified to be a psychologist, right? Mm -hmm. That requires more education. So knowing that going in is really important. And that's all about your exit strategy. What is the credential? Now, the other part of... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just going to say that when, when they get in and they, they get an advisor, the advisor is just asking, what degree do, uh, are you going for? And then they go over classes. And I don't know that the conversation's happening that of, well, what do you hope to do with that? And have you researched that? I just, I think they have just too many students that they just can't have. They just don't have that much time. Late. And it's too late. If you've already chosen your college, you've already registered, you've already committed, it's too late. Right. Because you can't now just ask the question if you're in the right program. Because now it's a real pain to change lanes. Mm. If you want to change colleges, if you want to transfer, there's a lot of moving parts. So colleges in some regard count on that momentum that once you're there, that you're not going to be as likely to change. So it's really important that you do this before you choose your college. And, you know, I, I did want to mention there's, there's a couple other parts of the exit strategy besides knowing your credential that are really important. And the next one is knowing how long it should take to get that credential. And I know that seems crazy. You know, the simple, well, it's four years for a four-year degree, or it's two years for a two-year degree. You know, these are kind of arbitrary. It's not necessary that you, you spend that amount of time. Now, there are ways to accelerate through a credential. You can speed it up a little bit. Um, and we certainly can think of examples where people have slowed it down. But it's, it's a foregone conclusion that someone is in school for four years. But every year that you spend in school is what? It's one year that you're not in that career, right? So the cost of spending extra time, unnecessary time sometimes, on the credential is more than what you're going to pay in tuition because now you're losing or you're delaying the time when you can get that salary. Now, we just talked about nurses, right? So the, the average registered nurse in 2022, just out of school, starts at about 50000 a year. So every year that that student spends stretching out how long it takes them to get that credential, adding semesters, adding years, adding, 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 every year that they delay, that's $50,000 in income that they've lost. So you have to have, have kind of a mindset that school is not meant, you know, to just be next because it's there. You really should have the exit strategy in mind. You should be focused on the goalpost and working quickly and efficiently of getting there, you know, as fast as possible. And that's really seems like an about face from what, what society tells them to think about is the experience. Uh, I need to think about the, make my experience there great They're, when they should be thinking about, I need to get what I need to get done and, and get out so I can start making some money. Yeah, because you're going to spend just a little bit of time in school, but you're, if you make bad financial decisions, those are going to stay with you for a really long time. And it's much harder to recover once you enter as a young adult with a lot of debt, when you enter your career. And, you know, talking about, we, we're using a nurse as an example, but if you don't finish that degree and you don't finish getting that license and you can't practice as a registered nurse, you now are going into the next chapter of your life with a heavy debt burden and you're no closer to that $50,000 a year job than before you started. So it's, it's really, it does a lot of damage when you don't finish and it does a lot of damage when you spend too long in school. 
Right. I can imagine. I was able to finish, took me five and a half years, but I did come out, I did finish and I had that degree. I can imagine only spending a couple of years and then stopping and then having the sadness of not finishing, but plus having the debt on that. It, I can imagine what that would do to them. Yeah. I mean, we're seeing that the length of time it takes just continue to kind of go. And I, I mean, a, a piece of that might be that students, you know, like, like we talked about earlier, they may in fact change their mind which is fine. It happens. Mm -hmm. But, you know, having, having a strategy with the end in mind really can help cut down on the devastating effects of those kinds of changes. Right. I mean, there's a difference between they've consciously made that decision. It wasn't working for them and they've accepted that and they're moving on to, I just can't finish it. I don't know what happened. I just don't know what happened now. Look where I, I don't even know how I got here type of feeling. And, and the longer that the student stays in school, the less likely they are to graduate. We know that also. So the data shows us that when the students are kind of just lingering on and on and on, especially once they get past six years, the likelihood of them graduating at that point is almost nothing. And unfortunately, the financial aid system is set up in a way that if the student stays in school and continues throwing good money after bad, that they can defer before they have to start repaying their student loans. So there's a little bit of an incentive you know, for the student to hang around a little bit longer, especially if they haven't made that decision yet. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we have to talk about money though, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> we, we have to talk about the, the budget because, uh, well, aside from this podcast being called uh, College on the Cheap, I mean, you have to know what is a reasonable budget for getting your credential because I've had lots of conversations with people who've spent a lot of money on degrees and, and those who haven't spent a lot of money. But you can't just say a degree should cost X. You know, you can't just say that colleges are all overpriced. Or you can't just say that, you know, you should absolutely always get the, the bare bones cheapest degree that you can. Uh, because that may not even serve your, your credential that you need, right? I mean, so we, we have to talk about budget, but you have to know, and you can only do this through research. You have to know what is a reasonable budget for the credential that you need. What is, what is reasonable? If you're going to go to medical school, your budget is different than if you're going to culinary school, or if you're getting a degree in elementary education, the budget is different, but that's okay because the income is going to be different, right? The amount of time it takes is going to be different. So you, you have to have a budget within the context of the credential that you're going to earn. You have to think about value. Va oh, yeah value for your what you're getting for your money and so right. you have that the degrees cost the same at and uh, you know school x yes. but yeah one of them's going to give you thirty thousand coming out and one of them's going to give you ninety thousand coming out so yes. it's why do these exactly, cost the same it's exactly yes that's exactly true and so what is a really great value to attend the university of xyz for one occupation is not necessarily the same value for a different occupation, right? So I, I can think about one of my sons was considering being a real estate agent. And so this is a really good example of knowing the credential you need, right? And knowing how long it should take. And some of our research when he was considering the occupation was we're fortunate to have lots of real estate agents in our circle of family and friends. And so we were able to get some firsthand advice and mentoring. 
but you can become a real estate agent by getting a bachelor's degree and you can spend $100,000 doing that. So four years and $100,000, you can get a two-year degree. Our community college offers that. That's about $10,000. Or you can take a four-week class for $500 and take the test. So look at this huge range of different choices that you have in front of you. The four-year degree, the two-year degree, the one-month-long class. You know, so what do you need? How is your money going to be best spent? You know, your money is an investment, but so is your time. And are you going to have enough of a return on whatever you choose that it's going to make sense and that it's going to benefit you? You know, college on the on the cheap is showing is asking you to show your work, show the math that says a one hundred thousand dollar degree is going to give you a return 200 times more than that of the $500 class. Show the work, show the math, give it your brain space. Think about it. Give it, give it good attention. And I think when you sit down and you actually look at the options in front of you and you come at that with, with a logical approach, I think it just really makes a difference in your decision-making process. I think it's reasonable even for our kids to ask them to justify their decision of where they want to go to school. It almost seems to me like they need, you know, at one, not a whole class, but just one session before they get out of high school where they sit and listen to somebody talk about, okay, now you've got in, you've gotten in. Now let's talk about how you're going to get out and you should think of this and this and this. I'm sure they're not getting that at all anywhere. No, I mean, I, I would hope that the parents would feel like they can be part of that conversation. I think it's important because no one cares as much as the parent really. And and that's the truth because the parent is the one who not only knows their child, but they also, they know who their child is, but they know who their child isn't. They may be playing an important role in funding the educational process. They may be paying for it. They may be borrowing for it. They may be guiding their students' financial choices as far as how that degree is going to be paid for. And they're going to be around when that student is, is thriving or struggling after college. And, and so the parent cares. And so the parent is the logical choice for who should help be in that conversation. But if you don't have that parent, there are other people that you can turn to. You know, you can turn to, to school professionals. You can turn to mentors. Maybe there's family, friends people from your community, people from your church, people from your neighborhood, people that you that you trust and and get some advice. People working in the field will often be really honest with how to get there. I had lots of conversations with real estate agents, with my son. Um, I've talked to lots of nurses, you know, and they're very honest about how to get through some of the fluff and how to get about the business of actually getting working, which is the most important part. And But the point there is that you're getting it from someone in the field, working in the field, not necessarily from s- someone at the college that uh, is oh, in Oh, Shelly, I feel like the college is the worst place you're going to get good advice. Right, right. <laughs> I well, mean, they're, they're selling a product. Let's be honest about it, right? They're selling enrollment. They're selling the credential. And they're not going to be experts outside of their their college. And so even if they're genuinely, you know, trying to be helpful, 
they're not going to know the differences between what they're offering and someone down the street, or they're not going to have the time to sit down and get to know you and know really what it is that you want to do for your occupation. You know, they can help you get enrolled and they can help you find loans and they can help you sign up for classes. But beyond that, it's really going to fall on your own shoulders to, to make those hard decisions. Something happened a couple of weeks ago. I was helping a student uh, with his classes at college and public administration major. And he came to me and he said, my public administration advisor has says they have this credential that is good for nonprofits. And I want to, I think I want to take that. And when I looked at it, it was extra classes above and beyond his degree, maybe two or three or something like that. But it seemed like it would be an extra semester because of it. And I said, well, let's see if this is really even necessary, because I'm thinking this is a business. They're selling a product. They're going to create these things. Is this a nonprofit credential even necessary? So I contact a friend of mine who is in nonprofit, has been in there uh, you know, for years. And I said, have you ever seen this? Do you see this as being necessary when you're hiring people in your nonprofit? And she came back saying, I've never seen this before. I don't even know what this is. This is certainly not a deal breaker in an interview. So I don't think they need it. Right. So that credential... It's a nice to have, right? But what's it doing? It's pushing the goalpost back. We're adding one more barrier between that student and their degree. It is, it is making it harder for them to get out of college. They're already there, <laughs> right? I mean, and you know, the thing I think also that's important to remember is that there is no one degree that's going to make any of us bulletproof forever. No matter what field you're in, no matter what degree you get, there is a high likelihood that you're going to have at some point some additional training or skills that you need an additional credential. Maybe you have to return to school. Maybe you get a graduate degree. Maybe there's a certificate. Maybe there's, you know, a free online class. Maybe there's a seminar, but there's, you know, there's never necessarily an end to our learning. So it doesn't all have to be done inside of that degree. This student with their degree could start working. And if they decided that they needed that credential, they could get it later. They don't have to delay their graduation to get that credential. I think you, you gave them the right advice. I wouldn't have recommended it either, even if it, even if it was nice to have because it delays graduation. Now, if it could have nested inside of the degree, hey, that's two birds with one stone. I like that, right? That's squeezing more value out of the, out of the degree. I like that. Um, but pushing back the goalpost, yeah, no way. I'm really looking forward. I think, I think we're going to have a lot of good topics in this podcast series about these types of nuances where people just kind of get lost and it's just kind of taken for granted. But I do hope that the takeaway from today's show is that there are three important parts of your exit strategy, choosing your credential, knowing how long it should take and getting a budget for that credential that is reasonable for that, for that job that you're going to need, because it is not one size fits all. And only after you answer those questions, do you really have any business even thinking about where you're going to go to earn that credential? And at that point, you can start filtering through those 3,700 colleges. So getting into college is easy, but getting out is hard. You know, it takes wisdom, it takes planning, and it really takes an exit strategy. If you'd like to read more about the data and the resources that we discussed in this episode, you can check the show notes in the episode. We'll have those. And we ask that you join us next time when we're going to look at cheap ways for you to bring your goal post closer 
so you can shave some time off the credential that you're earning, and hopefully you can save some money too. So until next time, I'm Jennifer Cook-DeRosa. And I'm Shelley Cloutier. And you've been listening to College on the Cheap.